In this episode of the Philly Blunt, we sit down with legendary meteorologist and current realtor John Belares. It took almost a year of negotiations and badgering John on Twitter and social media to finally sit down with us for an interview where no topics were off the table. After sitting with John, we immediately realized that this had to be a two-part interview because there was just too much information to be covered. In part one, we discuss how a kid obsessed with the weather ends up the meteorologist in Philadelphia and the third highest paid meteorologist in the country, and we cover the infamous storm of the century forecast. In part two, we discuss a notorious South Beach incident, uh, which led to John helping to break up a Russian mob in operation and also led to John losing his job. Part two also describes his darkest days and a, uh, a classic Philly blunt round. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe uh, the podcast after you listen so that other people interested in celebrating Philadelphia can find it. And follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all as The Philly Blunt. We hope you enjoy this two-part interview with John Belaris. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. Hey, what's up? This is Greg. And we are very excited to have this week's guest on the show. A uh, You probably best know him from his days as a meteorologist, currently working in real estate throughout the uh, Philadelphia area, the Jersey Shore, and up in New York. Please welcome to the show, Mr. John Belaris. Ah, thank you. Welcome, John. Good it's, to have you. It's good to be here. It's been a long post. time coming. I've been harassing <laughs> him for about a year yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, I know, I know. We finally <laughs> bug him enough. We finally broke him down. He's like, if I do it, they'll just go away. Yeah, yeah. you got to remember, my agents always say to me, please stay off A, that, as he used to say, the tweeter. Uh, no, more, no more Twitter meltdowns. And uh, keep private to yourself, John, and you'll be all right. But, you mm-hmm. know, this is fun. You've you been know, pretty active on Twitter good. lately. Yeah, I'm getting a little more active. Yeah, I like know? it. I missed you. Yeah, I use Twitter to get in trouble mm-hmm. normally. Right. Uh, for the most part, if I'm doing more professional stuff, I keep it with Instagram, Facebook. But Twitter, I can have my opinions and instantaneous. So I have, I still like to have some fun with that. I, I don't do it as much because, honestly, I really don't have that much time. But once in a while, I'll get a little bit activated. And, of course, all the Twitter tweeters come in and say... <laughs> Uh, he must be drinking. He's saying this and that. But, you know, 90% of the time they're wrong. Once in a while they're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, you know, I just sometimes get opinionated. Speaking of which, uh, we are drinking tonight at the at the Post, a yeah. new new bar. Never on... heard of it myself. This is the first time I've heard yeah, of it. Yeah, I had heard of it, but I, I I haven't been here yet. But this is a great space. place. Listen, this is a great you know, the sports bar. It's wide open. Yeah. Um, and the windows are open. And Bill, shout out to Billy. Yeah, Billy's, Billy's also here doing, listening. Yeah, Billy's hanging out with the crew here. Billy's on the team. He's on the Black Label team. We have uh, nine agents on the team in the city, uh, not including myself and Andrea, my partner. And then we have 12 down the shore, and we just opened up a mainline office as well. So the Black Label is expanding, which I'm very excited about. You know, I uh, had to really redefine myself. Sure. After what I mean, you know, as I think everyone knows or know, you know, knows my work. I was truly passionate about doing what I did yeah. in, in, in the weather field. Uh, that was my, you know, my true love. And after that ended, not the way I wanted it to end. That's never the way I, it should have ended. I needed a, after having about a two-year pity party for myself because I felt like I was a victim. Uh, I needed to kind of regroup and redefine my career in another capacity and then take make sure my daughter was taken care of 
and leave a positive legacy. But how, how did you do that? How did you pull yourself out of that rut? I'm telling you, man, there was some really, really down days during that time. When you're, you know, when you're on the top of your field and, and you're doing very well, and you, you know, you worked your ass off. You started in, in the business with. Uh, I was making $36 a week working at Metro at JFK as a, you know, a go-to guy, go for, for the, the main meteorologist there. And then working all of my, you know, way up into the uh, weather field, making the third highest paid meteorologist in the country at one time when I was in New York. And to come crashing down in one day on a uh, Christmas Eve when they gave me the notice that they were firing me. Although, Christmas Eve? Yeah, Christmas Eve. Because they did that under the radar, just so you know how they operate. It's an under-the-radar thing. They figured that the people are going to think you're on vacation or something like that. And I, what always kind of like, I got over this, but what really, really burned me is that that day that they had me leave the building on Christmas Eve, they wouldn't allow me to take any of my stuff 10 minutes before my broadcast, any of my, my daughter's pictures, what? go back to my desk, and escorted me out like I was a criminal out of the Fox newsroom, never ever to return again. And uh, that was a real dark day. And that next day was Christmas. My uh, girlfriend at the time r rushed me to the hospital, thought I was having a heart attack, which the hospital did too. So I went in, yeah, it was a hospital in New Jersey. And uh, they said I was having a heart attack. I, and then I had all these visuals of my dad, who dad died very young of a heart attack. And, uh, then they took me to another hospital and they gave me a catheterization whole nine yards. But it was just really high-end stress and uh, my heart palpitated. I don't know what was going on, but mm -hmm. it was a real dark day to have your life, your career that you truly, absolutely loved every minute of it. To get a notice like that on Christmas Eve to say you're done. Yeah. Uh, in front of my daughter, too. My daughter was staying with me. And, uh, that's, and it, it was just, it hit me hard. I, I took too much of a self-pity on it because, you know, you know, you beat yourself up and you say, why me? You know, I didn't do really anything wrong. But that's just the way. That's just that's life. Right. You well, learn let, after let's, a while. It's life. Let, let, let's take that back a little bit because you talked about how meteorology was your true love. And that started when you were a kid and you used to make weather maps. I yeah. mean, you know, I drew pictures of like football helmets. Yeah. I was designing yeah. basketball <laughs> plays. <laughs> right. I was designing weather maps. Yeah. yeah. I would make weather maps in my bed. You know, I would be forecasting to myself and try to figure out uh, the weather patterns. Uh, I'd race on my bicycle with uh, my Polaroid camera and try to catch a, a picture of a thunderstorm coming in. Because you got to remember, dudes, I didn't have, like, listening to rock music. So I was listening to all weather band radio. <laughs> that was my thing going to bed. Yeah. 164.44 kilohertz. <laughs> Today we're watching a high-pressure system situated off the North Carolina coast. The storm yeah. system. We, and, so, and, you, and you as a kid are just like, yes, yeah, I yes. love this. Oh, my God. And I could, it got so bad. When it was a big storm coming, my you know remember these things called vaporizers? They had the steam. Yeah, map? yeah, yeah. I had one. I of would those. hyperventilate. Oh yeah. So my mom had to put me on hyper uh, on a on a on the vaporizer and yeah. had my towel over my yeah, head yeah. so I could start to breathe because when a storm was coming, I get overexcited and I couldn't sleep at night, looking out the window every ten minutes. Wow. And uh, you know that that was my really early childhood of being excited about weather, and I actually buried my dad in a CBS TV T-shirt underneath his suit. And five years to the day he passed away, I signed my first contract with CBS News on October 7th, oh, 1987. Wow. So I knew my dad had something to do with it. But that's how determined I was. And my 
My dream then was, at the time, was to work for CBS News. That's in New York. That's what we watched when I was a kid growing up with my with my uh, mom and dad. And you got there. You didn't go to a big program or anything. You went to a community college. I went to community college, but after that, I my dad got real sick. First heart attack, and I was going to actually going to Oswego, so I had to stay home. And then my friend was in the Air Force. He said he was a captain in the Air Force. He goes, you know what? You know, in my two years at Suff Community College, I had like a three, seven, five cum. So he said, if you have a three, five and above, the Air Force will accept you into their school if you pass this test and send you to school for meteorology with the Air Force. So I did, took the test. Long story short, next day I know I'm in boot camp. And I was in boot camp in Lackland Air Force Base. Wow. And, um... It's an unexpected twist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, yeah, it was, that was insane. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was. I thought this. I, I I thought boot camp should be outlawed because I'm like, <laughs> wow. You I mean this is a controlled insane asylum? What's going on? <laughs> you know, but you know, it was a great learning experience, and um, you know, I did well, and I then went to school for meteorology with the Air Force. Okay, and then I uh, did on the job training at McGuire Air Force Base. Then I was stationed at West Hampton Beach, Long Island. I was in the Air National Guard. Rescue and 201st weather flight. So I got all my meteorological training for those four years um, at uh, 201st weather flight. Hmm. So after um, the schooling with the Air Force. So it really, see, at the Air Force, you know, in college, it's all theory. The Air Force, if you screw up on a forecast, you can be court martialed. If you're telling a fighter jet that you're coming in on a ceiling of 5,000 feet, the ceiling's really 1,200 feet, you come out, you could crash and burn, and that, that's the end of it, you're, you're screwed. Wow. So it was a lot more pressure doing that. So when I got into, you know, radio, television, I said, this is a piece of cake. The other stuff was really nerve-wracking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got great hair. I've always been an admirer <laughs> of your hair. So what was it like when they cut your hair off for boot camp? <laughs> oh, it was scary, dude. Yeah, right. I, I had long hair. Did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, if you saw some of the pictures, you know, I'm like David Cassidy. I dude. can't imagine you with a, with a buzz cut. <laughs> oh, I had hair at one time down the shoulders. Yeah, I remember getting that cut. It was kind of a traumatic time. But after a while, you know, everyone had the had the buzz cut. It felt pretty good. So, 1988, you get married. Five yeah. days before the wedding, your mom passes away. Right. And within two years, right on the day of your first big show, oh, you, you finally make unbelievable. it. unbelievable. Yeah, you finally make it, and your wife calls up and break, breaks up with you. I mean, this is a yeah. roller coaster that's almost unimaginable over a course of two years. I mean, and, we, and you, we're early in his yeah, life and career. Right. Yeah, yeah you, we're you, still you, in your you 20s. You did some yeah. information there. That's good stuff. You did some of the... Yeah, what happened, uh, I came down secretly for a long time. I was, I was uh, working in New York, and um, my uh, agent said to me, Eric Gober, who was the uh, president of the O&O's of CBS, wants to meet with you at Mickey Mantle's restaurant on the Upper West Side when I was doing the weekends in, in New York City for WCBS-TV. I said, what does he want? He goes, he'll let you know. He's the one that discovered me when I filled in on a five days on News 12 Long Island and gave him my opportunity uh, for CBS News. So he goes to me, sitting at Mickey Mantle's, he goes, we want to rebuild a station in Philadelphia. It's WCAU. We think you'd be a great fit. I said, excuse me? Yeah, Philadelphia. I said, "What? are you having me leave here? No, no. Matter of fact, the general manager doesn't know I'm talking to you. Uh, he wants you. To, he wants you here. But I look at it this way. 
you're going to have a long wait. You have Dr. Frank Field ahead of you, Mr. G. I want to build this station to CBS in uh, WCAU. He said it's a dog. It's like a country club. They sleepwalk. We need new life. We're going to re-energize that station. I think you'd be a great fit. And I was despised. Dog shit was put That's on my... That's what I read. Someone put oh, dog shit on your car. They put dog shit on my car. Told me to go back to the sewer hole of the nation. Was it, you, who, Herb Clark? Is that yeah, who it was? Yeah, he was not Everyone a good, loved him? or He was not a good man. No? But no. Did people love him at the station? Well, he was called the avuncular Uncle Herb Clark on the air. But you yeah. can be a phony on the air. Right, right. You know, you know who the phonies and who's real. Right. He, I, I don't want to really talk negative about a person yeah. that's passed away, but... So he confronted me and tried to fight me, and it was so bizarre. That's it a recurring theme. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was so bizarre because he goes, "I know, I know what you're doing." I go, "What, Herb? You're switching my red pen and my blue pen and my black pen to drive me crazy." I go, "What are you talking about? I know what you're doing. You're from that New York, right?" I go, "Yeah, that's a sewer hole in the nation." And he goes, "What are you, Greek?" I go, yeah, Greek, Irish, Scottish. You know, he goes, oh, you're one of those. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, really? Come to a point that he actually got up. This old guy (laughs) got up and pushes himself against me and is trying to fight me. How old was he at the time? Like 66, And what are you, like 28? At the time, yeah, I was 29. 29. I'm like, oh, this doesn't look good. And then the uh, GM said, listen, this got to stop. Herb, invite John to your home and get this over and have a nice weekend. What? Yeah. He did did me, you go to his house? Yeah, I went to his house. Of course, he didn't open the door for me. But, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but of course, he let Jane Robolo in, who was a fine, sweet Southern lady. Hi, Jane. Hi, Jane. Come on in. Boom. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. But yeah, someone actually put dog shit in your car. Yes. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, they did. So, so just to get back, so you come down, you do the show, and you find out from your wife she's not giving you any hints leading up to this that she's not coming to Philly. No, she let me know after the noon show she's done. Jesus, she was staying at the time the Adams Mark. I had an opportunity to work, uh, take a position in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. who she wanted to be because she was a model, um, and she wanted to be in Los Angeles. I, I'm an East Coast guy, mm-hmm. and I'm going to listen to what the bosses tell me at the time because you don't, you know, they're my rabbi, so to speak. Going to be loyal to them, and Eric Ober, I respected, and she left after the noon show. The varying degrees of emotion on that day have to be crazy. Your your first, your first show in Philly, show. and then your wife's leaving you. You know what? I was so consumed about what I was doing, it didn't matter. Hmm. I was so, you know, it hurt, but I got over it. Like I got to be honest with you, pretty quickly. So, so in the '90s, you're doing, you know, you're doing the forecast here in Philly, and like after a while, did you kind of feel like this became your town? I mean, you're a New oh, York yeah. guy, but like in the '90s, did you feel like this was oh, becoming a place that? Oh, dude, this this town, I, I I fell in love with. I think this town, I know this about this town. They they know when you're passionate. They know when you care. They know when you you know you're part of the fabric and you're really a you know part of Philadelphia. They know that. I would go. I'd go to the games with the 700 level. I would hang with them all. And, you know, all my general managers would say, you can't be so accessible. I said, what do you mean? I, just do the, I just do the freaking weather. <laughs> I'm having fun. You know, and I always enjoyed that. I enjoyed that life. I enjoyed I was doing what I, I what my passion, what I was living my dream. 
And I was living my dream in Philadelphia, and it really became a real home base to me. And I just love the passion of Philadelphia. And, you know, I'm a big sports fanatic, right? So it takes a lot from a guy from New York to really, and this is the honest truth, to go from your Yankees to your Phillies and and say you really were rooting for the <laughs> Phillies. And I found that out during the Yankee-Phillies World Series. Right, yeah. You know, that I was rooting for the Phillies. You know, I became a big, huge, huge Flyer fan. I still got a, you know, a Flyer tattoo on my ass. Um, but I just love, I fell in love with the town. And, uh, you know, they uh, treated me like gold. There's times that you're going to get, you take the abuse. Right, right, right. That's just part of it. You know, right. that's just part of life. You take the abuse. So let's get back to the 90s. You're rocking and rolling. You're the king of the city. And then in 2001... There is a yeah. storm that kind of changes things pretty dramatically. You know, we've had a couple of things that have changed overnight, and that that was one of them, right? Yeah, the the storm that they say that I right you had, you had up. brought up eighteen eighty eight perfect storm. Yes, and the storm. Yeah. Well, that, here's the deal with that. I mean, it's known as the storm of the century, right? Storm of the century. I never got it wrong. You want this is the God's honest truth. What happened with that storm? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, the last day of the book. We're battling PVI for the number one spot. If we get it, we win this night. We become the first station since 1975 to beat PVI head-to-head on the 11 o'clock news. My news director comes up to me, Steve Schwade. Do we have anything? I go, eh, you know what? We have a possibility, potential of a major storm, but not until Sunday, Monday. You know, this is a Wednesday. He goes, yeah, eh, Potential. Could be. I'll, I'm gonna. I can. Uh, I'll talk about it. You can tease it as a potential winter storm brewing ahead. His know what his his line was? Crawl during uh. What was that show? NYPD. Whatever is the show that was on that night at ten o'clock. Um, crawl was potential storm of the century. I'm looking up. Now, he's not in the building. He's at home. He relayed this to the producer to what to put in the uh, crawl. Mm-hmm. I call. What are you doing? Where'd you get that from? Could be, right? You never know. I said, what are you talking about? I'm in store in a century. I don't know what you're talking about. Just, just go with it. I said, Steve. So I got on the air. I said a potential storm for Sunday, Monday. You know, uh, there's some indications that it, it could be a major storm. Something going to watch closely with this new information that's just coming out. Okay. So that crawl, and if people always say, I always say, go look back at that forecast on that Wednesday, and you'll see that I did really nothing. Now it's Thursday. I'm back on the air. I'm still seeing the potential. Significant. By Friday, everyone and their mothers talking about now, which is becoming... A storm of the century. Everyone. Every single meteorologist up and down the East Coast, because that's what the computer models are, are putting out. Pretty much a burial for Philadelphia, D.C., Philadelphia, New York City to Boston. A burial. Really massive. Wow. That's Friday. So I compared it to the 1888 blizzard of 1888. you got to remember, Philadelphia didn't get much snow. Upstate Northeast PA, Hudson Valley got 30 to 50 inches. I put that on my map. Upstate from 1888. 
Philadelphia got three inches because of a mixture. And what happened? Different, still a different type of storm, but basically that's what I compared it to because the intensity levels would be the same, but the snow bands we don't know about. That's Friday. Saturday, I'm looking at the computer models. I go, oh, shit. They're backing off. There's drying taking place. I'm going to go into all the meteorological jargon, but indications are if I was going on the air this evening, I would start backing down a little bit. I called Glenn. Hurricane. Go, Glenn, you see what I'm looking at? You see? Yeah, he goes, yeah. He, you know, Glenn knows his stuff. And I go, mm-mm. I would start hedging. Hedging. Even though there's blizzard watches now. Are the books closed at that point? Yes. Are the ratings books no, are the done. books are closed. Okay. Books are closed. So I ask, I call Steve Schwade. I go, I need to come in Saturday. I need to come in. I need to start backing backing up. He goes, what are you talking about? We still got these blizzard watches. No, no, no. Kathy Orr needs a promotion. She was new. We need her to be on the air. I said, she could be on the air, but I need to be there because I'm sorry, but Kathy doesn't forecast. <laughs> She's just taking it from the National Weather Service. Right. So uh, he goes, no, absolutely not. Kathy Orr is going to be doing this. I said, all right, Steve, but I'm shaky on this. One. I, I pull back on the throttle a little bit. Sunday comes in. I go, this shit's not going to happen. So then I call Steve, and he goes, no, 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 no. I go, Steve, it's not going to happen. It's not. Maybe we get less than six inches. Could be. Th-. He goes, no, no, no. Finally, I convinced him to come in. He said, all right, you come in. So I go in, and then here's the deal, he goes. Kathy is going to be the lead. She's going to throw it to you, and you're going to tell us the storm uh, track history and how much we're going to. I said, no, no, we're not getting all this snow. So I tell Kathy, I go, Kathy, uh, no. You, you're not doing this. I need to do this because this is not happening. Oh, John, you shouldn't really. I mean, Steve wants us to do it this way. I said, I don't give a fucking shit what Steve Schwade says. This is not really happening. Oh, no, we need it. I said, okay. Right. If anyone watched that 6 o'clock newscast on that Sunday 6.30 newscast, when Kathy threw to me, I walked out of the screen and off the set. Off the set. Why didn't you say... This isn't no because, really going to happen because yeah. she already said, and we're going to get this and this and this and this and then and John's going to get. Said, no, I'm just out of here. I was so aggravated. Steve says, "Oh, this is insubordination." Calls me. I go, "Go get yourself a used car salesman for Don Rosen," because this is bullshit. Finally agrees. All right, you do the eleven o'clock. I said, "All right." At 9.20, the new computer guidance is coming in. My guy, High Pressure Harry, who's my producer, <laughs> right? Pressure Harry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great filling nickname yeah. right there. High Pressure Harry in the house. <laughs> so he comes over, and we're looking at the sheet, and I go, oh, my God, nothing's going to happen. So I go, I call Steve Schwedt. I go, Steve, this is not going to happen. All right. You sure about this? I go, no, but pretty sure. All right, break in. Break in the network. We broke in a network saying, not going to happen. Now, you can imagine at like 10, 9.53 at night for everyone's waiting on the biggest storm of the century. Did he just say this is not going to happen? At 11 o'clock, went on the air and said, not going to happen. But the people are still anchoring. I remember this, Monique Braxton. So there you, at the end of the newscast, so there you hear from John, batting down the hatches, blizz is about to strike. I'm like, no. Sweat why don't you guys go get... Can someone please get the damn tapes? 
this is like my sir. I'm like, is there a Freedom of Information Act you can file for this? Just get this is the truth. <laughs> Believe me, I lived it. So then all this happened, and then I'm getting killed because now the storm of the century doesn't happen, and everyone, their mother said it was me. Everyone, it, it became national news. Everybody was calling for this. Yeah, now right. everyone tucks in their heads. Yeah. Oh, well, no, we didn't really say it. You know, they all like, you know, they want to bury you because now we got a chance to like pile on. You know, I got a lot of, I, I did get death threats. Was that was you that know, a tough? I mean, yeah. What are, what what are know, those? What are the weeks after that like for you? Yeah. What's, from the, what's, what that, I read, what's that first like, week? What's that first week after that goes down? And then and like you know, at the same time, you know, you have this thing where on the one hand you're getting these death threats, but on the other hand, it was you know, hum- you never say no to an interview. Like you were well, you were and, talking and, to Howard no, you're Stern. Right. Oh no, I don't say no. You know, right. you know why? Because well, he what said is this? no to us for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, sure. yeah well, I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought of this way. It's not rocket scientists. We're just doing the weather. We can talk. Right. And if you're not in the in the public eye talking, you're going to be disappear. Right. You did an apology though, didn't you, for the Daily I, News? Well, or? I want no, no. What I wanted to do was do a live. People call in and ask what went wrong and give the answers. My news director Steve Schrade wouldn't allow that. So what you all don't know is that was he when he was in the office and it's in the fishbowl glass. I threw everything off his desk, his computer, everything, because I knew he did this. I knew he created the storm of the century, and he wouldn't allow me to do what we needed to do to correct and have show responsibility. He was all about alarmness. You know, this is a guy that put blue lights, specials, flashing blue lights, all inside the studios and outside. You have 30 seconds to get in there when we have breaking news. This is a guy that lived by being an alarmist. This is the guy that originally came up with Naming Storms, not the Weather Channel. So when we started Naming Storms, which I was strictly against, I'd make fun. Like if Charlie was a storm, I'd say, you know, Chucky. And he, <laughs> and he would like call me and goes, you got to be serious. I said, I can't be serious with storm names. They're for hurricanes. I don't want to name them criteria for major storms. You know, what is, what is a major storm, Steve? Well, it, it, he got to like with two inches. we got to call it a storm. I go, no, I'm not going to call Chucky a two-inch storm is Storm Charlie. Sorry, he's Chucky with a little flakes of snow. This, this to me, was so, like, comical. Is this the same guy who gave you a hard time about turtlenecks? Yes. Turtle Tell us that story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> it's funny. So I'm out, you know, doing a live shot in a turtleneck. <laughs> with a sport coat over top? Yeah. yeah right. No, it was no. just a, a, a coat. Okay. Turtleneck. Yep. Turtleneck. And then, he didn't say anything, I came in, and then I put a black coat with my black turtleneck on the air. His famous words were, see me. <laughs> with a finger point? Like yeah. A oh, yeah. Come f- uh, see me. See me. Come out of the studio. See me. I go, what's up? Can't wear a turtleneck. I go, why, Steve? Takes away credibility. <laughs> I said, what? Takes away credibility. I said, no, Steve. Do you remember those words clearly? Yes. Today? Oh, I, this Takes guy, away I, to this day, he's still in my, in my nightmares. <laughs> I go, credibility? I go, Steve, when it's cold out, you wear a turtleneck. <laughs> That's what you do, you know? Yeah. You wear a turtleneck. No. Of course, suspended me. He suspended you for the turtleneck? Yeah. But you know what happened? He got so much slack, he apologized. He delivered all turtlenecks. <laughs> Mock turtlenecks with NBC <laughs> 10 to the entire 
newsroom. <laughs> and trouble with your hair? Well, that was, yeah, that was that was the hair apparent thing. I had the bang that would stop down. That was what... <laughs> that was you had bangs? <laughs> yeah, they called the Elvis bang that would drop down. So they go. Oh, the 90s were a wild time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a wild time. I was out of control. Yeah. And I say, at the time, that was Drew Barry, though. And he goes, yeah, you got to make sure that's slick back. Oh, that was a different? Yeah, that was another one. All right, all right. So he suspended me. And they, that was a big article in Phil Living Choir. Herb Clark's hair apparent is suspended. <laughs> ah, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, for the Elvis bang. <laughs> you know, I got suspended for the tattoo on my butt. Uh, so I'm with, uh, you know, I'm with Preston and Steve. This is the time they're doing Y100. So the, the Flyers are really, really into uh, yeah, the playoffs and there's Flyer fever. This is Lindros time, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm on the air with uh, Preston and Steve, and it's the given tattoos. You know, they have a tattoo artist in there for flyers for Flyer Fever. So in the studio, they they call in. Why doesn't Blairus get a tattoo? So I'll defer to Lauren Hart. She goes, I'm thinking, Lauren. Ah. she goes, tattoo his ass. <laughs> so I got a tattoo in my butt. So I come, <laughs> I come into the NBC. <laughs> I say, see me. <laughs> <laughs> I go, oh no, here we go. Calls me, calls me over the computer. He goes, is that your butt? I go, that's not my butt. It says Belarus's butt. I said, Steve, it's not my butt. He goes, it's Belarus's butt. I said, how do you know that's my butt? <laughs> I, I'm trying to play. He has yeah. no sense of humor. <laughs> no, come on. He goes, no, that's your butt. <laughs> I, I said, all right, it's my butt. Again, he goes, credibility issue here. I go, Pat Croce has 3,000 tattoos. Right. He's well-respected in the city. It's okay for me to have a little flyer tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, suspended. <laughs> suspended for a tattoo. <laughs> for the tattoo. Exposing my property, whatever it is, on, on, the, on the internet. Yeah, so I got suspended. And the bad thing about it was a small tattoo, and it got infected. <laughs> oh man! Jeez. Yeah, but yeah, so got suspended. Hold on. Tattoo now? What's that? Can you show us the tattoo? No, I'm not showing a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Billy. Jesus. Yeah, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> that can't see it. Cut Billy. his mic off. Yeah, yeah. We're not on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was a video show, I'd be all about it. Yeah. The post does not uh, endorse nudity. <laughs> no, no. Keep it clean here at the post. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. All right. So let's. Let's move ahead now to what happened in South Beach, because I'm sure it was hell to live through, but it makes for a hell of a story. Uh, and there has to be some... Uh, I need, you know, a, I a, need a drink current, for that yeah, one. Yeah, I, I, yeah. let's get around. Let's get around. But make sure and there's then, not Pinot Grigio, all right? <laughs> not Pinot Grigio, and, and, and we're not going to do shots. And no so, Estonia women. It's the sound of Philadelphia. Brothers covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs, the youth dreams cut short.